0: Better than this, guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes podcast presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Tuesday edition of the show, continuing our series recapping the 2019 NFL Draft classes, focusing on the Bengals and Browns today after we did the Steelers and Ravens
1: yesterday. Kyle, welcome. Thanks, Joe. Uh, Interesting set of draft classes here. I think we're going to have a tale of two... Two polarized opinions in my opinion on uh the Browns and Bengals and who did what and I went uh went on the Ross Tucker football podcast and talked about uh draft classes this week that I liked, but we recorded a double header and, and for next week I talked about players that I did not like, and one of these classes was in my bottom three.
0: Oh boy. Uh looking at you, Cincinnati Bengals, I'm guessing, and we'll start there. How about that? Um, A solid double, right, to start things off here with the Jonah Williams pick. They've made some investments here lately in their offensive line, trading for Cordy Glenn, drafting Billy Price in the first round. But Bobby Hart in that three-year, $21 million contract was very confusing to many of us. And uh, now they've they've added Jonah Williams to the mix, presumably to really challenge him and hopefully take that spot if Andy Dalton plans on living through this season. And a solid player, right? I mean, three-year starter from Alabama, played left and right tackle, the SEC Offensive Lineman of the Year, very solid across the board. I mean, uh, I think in terms of technique, he's really, really, really polished the questions, right? Does he have the length to win outside? And I know that he has longer arms than Andre Diller, but he does get outreach. I think that's my concern with him. It's not that he doesn't have long enough arms. It's that guys get into his frame. And so working on his strike variance and becoming more consistent, winning with first contact, and keeping guys off his pads is going to be very important for Jonah Williams to reach his ceiling. But I think that first pick was a solid double.
1: Yeah, I I think this pick for them set a really positive tone at first uh, to get into your draft class. But then you followed up with the 52nd overall pick and you draft Drew Sample, the tight end from Washington, who to me really honestly felt like an ideal tight end two at the next level, not a top 50, 55 selection. Uh, I, I'm a little confused there as to – what traits they were coveting that they didn't feel like there was somebody else on the board with a higher ceiling that did those traits better. Because whether you want a blocking tight end, you got Kahal Waring, who I thought was a better blocker than Drew Sample with much more receiving upside than Drew Sample, in my opinion, or Jay Sternberger as a receiving option, both of those guys on the board. So uh, I I really struggle with the prospect of Drew Sample being the fourth tight end off the board in a good tight end class at 52 overall, Uh, for as good as that first pick was with Jonah Williams, I I really felt like they missed the mark there right right with the next pick that they had.
0: Interesting selections the rest of the way. I want to talk about Jermaine Pratt, though, their third-round pick, number 72 overall. I think he's going to be an important piece for this defense, and for this draft class to really work, they're going to need him to be a high-impact linebacker, a guy that I'm very familiar with, having studied him at NC State, didn't start until this past year, but that didn't keep him from being productive in 2017, and he really filled up the stat sheet this year, converted safety, a guy that's a little bigger than you'd expect for a converted safety. And I like his trigger and his physicality, playing downhill and, and working into the line of scrimmage. I think he has range and coverage instincts. I know that we differ greatly on Jermaine Pratt. He's been a polarizing prospect between the two of us. But for me, I think that he's really the guy here that when I look at this class, he needs to. that needs to be a pick that they really hit on or else you you worry about a lot of the returns on investments with this overall hole.
1: Right. Uh, I think their best ROI is probably Rennell Wren at 125. Uh, I like his fit within their defense as far as you think about what Andrew Billings has been for them and Wren, a guy who I think has better physical tools uh, and, a, and a better ceiling than Billings. Billings has, has done a nice job kind of coming in, into his own as a pro player, but it's taken him a couple years. Once upon a time, he was... Uh, kind of like a folk hero uh, for for some of the athleticism that he had for a big guy when he was at Baylor, uh, but you know picks like Michael Jordan, Ryan Finley, uh, Deshaun Davis, these uh these I I mean I can't if I'm complaining about two ten I'm really nitpicking so I think Deshaun Davis is okay but Michael Jordan in the fourth round and Ryan Finley they trade up to get him with the second pick in the fourth round. Uh, just a, a misappropriation of draft capital as far as I'm concerned. And I understand Michael Jordan's got some tools, right? But the guy's on the ground so much, and that's been one of the things that, that's plagued your offensive line. You got guys that are soft, and oh, Bobby Hart, guy's always on the ground. So what do you do? You go out and draft another guy who spends half his reps lying face down on the ground. It's just it, it's frustrating that I, I don't know that there was – self-scouting here to kind of understand what we needed to do differently with some of the offensive line spots outside of Jonah Williams.
0: Kyle, um, one of the picks that I think, if there's a chance for this team to get a steal in this draft class, might be Jordan Brown, cornerback from uh, South Dakota State. They're at pick 223, their seventh-round pick. He's a player that I would have been comfortable drafting much higher in the draft. I think he's a really balanced player. I think when I watched him play – I thought, I thought I really appreciated his patience in terms of his pedal and really not uh, over committing in any one area and committing those false steps. And I thought he was pretty clean in coverage, gives you some ball skills and a willing skill set in terms of tackling. And so when I look at this overall class, we have a lot of questions. But if I think there's a chance for them to net a steal, it's going to be Jordan Brown, that last pick from uh, South Dakota State, the Jack Rabbits out there.
1: You can give me one of the two backs that they took. Either one, pick your poison. Travion Williams from Texas A&M, like his skills in pass protection, I think he's got a chance to get some early reps as a result of that. Uh, He's not the home run hitter per se that you get with Joe Mixon or even Rodney Anderson, the other back that they took. Rodney Anderson's got uh, some durability issues. He's he's struggled to finish seasons. But if he could stay healthy, he's certainly much more talented than a sixth-round talent. Uh, But if you were going to ask me to identify a steal, out of one of these two, or out of this draft class, one of those backs definitely is in the, the leader in the clubhouse for me.
0: And, and I've, when we were doing the broadcast, I said, Rodney Anderson, for me, if he's healthy, he's RB1. Now the challenge is healthy, right? Not, not something that's been associated with Rodney Aaron Anderson. Three different season-ending injuries across the, uh, the last four seasons. And so I'm concerned. I'm concerned with that durability factor. But obviously the focal point of this offense is Joe Mixon. And so, if you could sprinkle in those uh, that skill set of Rodney Anderson in, mo- in, in doses, and really try to manage his workload and, and make sure that he can stay healthy, there are there's a skill set president there that I think can be a pretty dynamic running back in the NFL.
1: Any other parts thoughts on the Bengals?
0: Yeah, I did, You know the ceiling, right? So you're just looking across this draft class across the, the whole thing, right? Where's the ceiling? Is Jonah Williams going to be a star? It's low. Yeah, I mean, across the board here. I think maybe in terms of ceiling, it might be Renell Wren, mm-hmm. the guy that has the highest ceiling of any player that they drafted. Tons of traits. Bowling a china shop a little bit, but he can play with extension. He's got great size, great athletic ability. And at the Senior Bowl, I thought it really started to come together for him in terms of of winning with technique and putting together the pieces of being a nuanced football player. Compared to kind of like I just mentioned that bowl in a china shop there with this tape at his Arizona State.
1: All right. So the Cleveland Browns did not have a first round pick. They spent it on Odell Beckham. Good a, pick. a first Good pick, round pick, sp- yeah. pick well spent. <laughs> and then they go out they get Greedy Williams at forty six. You know, we, Greedy Williams was generally considered a consensus corner. Throughout the course of the entire season, and even with the concerns that were on tape, uh, you, you really didn't see, foresee this much of a drop, where he slid to 46 due to concerns uh, centered around his some of the effort and tackling that, that he had put forth on film in 2018. And the Browns just have to be thrilled, right? Because to get this caliber of a talent with his athletic tools and his ball skills uh very very promising player and you get to place him across from Denzel Ward and you have him in a locker room that's full of fiery dudes now that makes for a combustible environment but if all is well if the Browns played expectations and they win early and they get momentum they can really help keep the fire lit under Greedy Williams you know Joe you talked about on the broadcast some of the other LSU guys there and how those guys kind of they move at their own wavelength, right? Like they are, they're all super intense dudes and having Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry there uh, to kind of have that relationship with Greedy Williams and uh, a fun, fiery head coach and Freddie Kitchens, I think, will help too. But again, it all comes down to, can you harness Greedy Williams? But the risk at 46 is a no-brainer.
0: Well, here's what's interesting about this overall class. I'm going to get a little funny here with the order, but if I told you last Monday... That the Browns had a first-round pick, and their draft class was in the first round Greedy Williams, second round Mac Wilson, linebacker Alabama, third round Sione, Taki Takitaki, linebacker BYU, fourth round Sheldrick Redwine, Miami safety, and then sprinkle in the rest of these picks on day three. Would you have blinked an eye, Kyle? No. No, that's what I'm saying. I think for a team that traded away some capital here, I think they came away with players that really kind of resembles a normal Seven-round draft class, including a first-round pick. Mac Wilson's interesting to me. I know it's a second linebacker they drafted. Taki went uh, much higher than him. I thought Mac Wilson fell quite a bit, but I like him in space. And I thought he was flashy playing into the line of scrimmage. But I think Mac Wilson's Mac Wilson in terms of coverage ability. One of my favorite backers in this year's class. I know we didn't test like the Devins, right? They nobody does. Those guys are freaks running four fours at their size. And and I think maybe that spoiled Mac Wilson a little bit, but he's a solid football player, a guy that started for good Alabama defense last year and had some of the most impressive reps in space that I saw. And so when you talk about fifth round pick Mac Wilson, I like that a lot.
1: Right, it's it's great value. They did a nice job letting some of the board come to them. Uh, I like Sheldrick Redwine, and yes. uh, Joe, I know you like Redwine as well. Yeah, I do. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. uh, a little Malbec. Yep. Uh back. Redwine is flashy on film. You see him. Uh, when he's squatting in zone coverage and he's breaking on stuff across his face or when he's stepping up and run support or when he's blitzing off the edge. He makes a lot of impact plays inside the box, and, and there's some potential uh, debate about where his best fit is at the next level. I'd love to see him stay in the box, be a, be a sub-package defender, you know, be a strong safety. Uh, he's a nice athlete, but his explosiveness in short spaces is what really set him apart uh, as, as far as these day three safeties were concerned for me. So kind of projecting him forward and thinking about you know him as a piece of this Browns defense, which suddenly is very, very deep. They got a lot of players and a lot of talent. Apparently they might not even be done. They're talking potentially about Gerald McCoy, adding him to the mix there. Uh, it's an exciting time to be a Cleveland's Browns fan. And, and Sheldrick Redwine certainly has a role to play in the 2019 season as a, uh, a a rotational player and a sub package player for the Browns.
0: Kyle, I'm going to mention one player here and then let's rank the classes in, in the NFC North or AFC North. Excuse me here. Uh, for me, I want to mention Donnie Lewis their seventh round pick out of Tulane a guy that I thought really flashed at the East West shrine game. We got a chance to be down there in St. Pete covering those practices and games. And I thought he was one of my favorites out of that week. Just a very competitive guy with outstanding ball production. And unfortunately He has an injury, so we didn't get a chance to see any testing results on him. But his ball production across four years at Tulane was really outstanding. And I saw that show up at the Shrine game. And when we're talking about a seventh-round pick, having a guy with his ability to make plays on the ball, I think that's a nice trait to really hang your hat on there late in the draft. So. Let's do it. Let's rank these classes in this
1: division. I didn't know we were going to do this. Yeah, I'm a little nervous. It off now. the cuff here, brother. Oh, so geez. we got the Ravens,
0: Steelers, Bengals, going, and Browns. Are we going four to one or one to four? Uh, well, I think we can a consensus agree the Bengals are four.
1: Four. Right? So now we're going 3-2-1. Oh, it's so interesting. right? Yeah, they're. I mean, they're different classes. They're really
0: different. Which Which team is a it has most improved based on their draft class?
1: Well, I'm going to put the Steelers three. Really? Yes.
0: Okay. Um, I, 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 Okay, I guess I get that. I don't hate what they did.
1: No, I like what they did, but this this division in general drafted well, in my opinion. These, these three guys, or these three teams, all did a great job as far as I'm concerned, considering what their core issues were yeah. and what their needs were and addressing long-term issues. I think they, each, each one of them did a nice job, man.
0: I can make a case for any one of these being the best.
1: Yeah, so can I. Well, we're not here to be cowards. No, so that's why I put Pittsburgh at three. So who's three?
0: For me, it's not going to be Pittsburgh. I like what they did a lot more. Well, than that's three. because
1: you're Justin Lane, truther.
0: Of course. Yeah, that plays in, and I like Deontay Johnson. Not not at 66, but I like him, and I trust him to scout receivers. I'm going to say, oh, man. Can't pick. You can't pick. I've never wanted to, like, n- bail myself out of a question that I asked so much I think the, I'm going to go with Browns as the best draft class here because I think when I look at this, when I look at the needs that this football team had at corner, at safety, at linebacker, I think they were very intentional about getting those things taken care of. And so for me, absent of a first-round pick to come away with this haul, my number one class in this division is the Browns. And uh, you flip a coin there on the Ravens and Steelers for 2-3.
1: Yeah, so I have the Ravens too. The reason why I have the Ravens too is I think there's more variance in how their draft class can turn out. Uh, can Marquise Brown stay healthy? Sure. Is Jalen Ferguson a guy that can translate his pass rush skills to the next level? Uh, can Miles Boykin figure out how to run routes? Uh, Justice Hill, can he stay healthy and run in between the tackles effectively? So there's unknown with every player when they come into the league, but I love what the Ravens, Browns and Steelers did. I just think the Ravens and Browns got more for their draft class than what the Steelers did. And I think the the Ravens, players have a little bit more high risk than what the Browns players do, where I think Mac Wilson will be perfectly fine. I think Greedy Williams uh, as the number two corner, are yeah. you kidding? Greedy is a two corner, mm-hmm. is t- phenomenal. Sheldrick Redwine I really, really like. Um, and the value they got for their picks is the tiebreaker for me, right? All because right, so I, the, I, they, they had 46, 80, and 119, and the Ravens had three top, top 100 yeah. picks.
0: Alright, I'm going Browns, Steelers, Ravens, Bengals.
1: Okay. So we're close. It's just we we're
0: flipping the two, three. Mm-hmm. And that's just to me that, that's a Justin Lane thing, right? That that's the
1: that moves the needle yeah. probably. Not, not even really. I felt like that was appropriate value for him. Yeah. I mean,
0: I, I re- I mean for me that I think that's not that's more than appropriate value. I think that's a steal, right? So I think when you consider a guy that I probably I, I don't know where I had him, I think in my top forty five to get him at eighty three, that's that's to me when I look at this this group, I say that's that's a steal.
1: Okay. Well I think we, uh, we did a sufficient job really putting these guys into a box and uh, summarizing their draft classes as a whole. So we got a chance to work through the entire AFC North. Who's next? Uh, I think it's the AFC East. Uh-huh. Is it Bill's Dolphins Party tomorrow? Party on, brother, yeah. Bill's Dolphins. Bill's Dolphins, Dolphins tomorrow. tomorrow. So are going look each
0: other in the eye and do this.
1: Everybody's going to know not to tune in and listen to us.
0: Definitely be the one podcast you want to miss course
1: no never hit subscribe come back leave a five-star review of the draft dudes podcast uh, thank you all so much for listening in on this lovely tuesday uh, i'm at joe's house we're getting ready to go up to uh lake norman and, and pal around for a few days but draft dudes will be a coming don't you worry uh we're gonna have uh, recordings set up for uh, wednesday and thursday as well uh, if you have any takes on takes for next week you can do so with the hashtag takes on takes or hashtag tattle takes if you want to tell on somebody, uh, and you can reach us at the Joe Marino and at Grinding the Tape. Hey, Kyle. Yes. How do you spell tattletakes? Uh, tattle takes? T a t t l e. You got a few that hit us with the D's there. Yeah, I know. Well, it goes back and forth, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care which way you spell it, as long as it's either T's or D's, you know. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, signing off. Draft dudes, come back tomorrow.